FOMO. Here's one thing that anyone can do who's listening to this to immediately start putting this into action. It's the simplest thing. It will sound so absurdly simple, but it's just to ask a new question. In the past, most people will have been not will not have been asking this question, and they're not even aware that they are asking questions. They're just living out the answers to questions. The question that they can start asking is of anything they're doing is how can this be effortless? <laughs> and that's it. Just start with that question. That's Greg McEwen, the author of Effortless: Make It Easy to Do What Matters. I'm your host Patrick McGinnis, and this is FOMO Sapiens. With the world spinning out of control, it can be impossible to know what to do and what to miss out on. That's called FOMO, which is short for fear of missing out. How do I know? Because I coined the term, and I'm the world's first FOMologist. And this is the show where I ask entrepreneurial thinkers, people I call FOMO sapiens, how they live and work with conviction no matter what life throws at them. FOMO. FOMO. Welcome back to FOMO Sapiens. I'm really excited for this week's show because we're going to have a guest who is a friend of the show. He's been on before, and he's here to talk about his new book that deals with those of us who tend to overwork, or as I like to call it, uh, being grinders. A grinder is somebody, and believe me, this was me for much of my life, just kind of thinks that the answer to everything is working harder. And for me, it was kind of something that was instilled in me as a kid, sort of like, if you work harder, you will do better. And by the way, it is true. I studied super hard to get the highest grades. And I, the more I studied, the better I did. But what I learned later on, of course, is that there is a line that you can cross where that becomes extraordinarily damaging to your life, to your health and everything else. And listen, we are at a time when the boundaries between work and home have disappeared entirely. And our days have begun to feel like an endless cycle of Zoom sleep and repeat. So is it any wonder that we're all facing burnout? I mean, it is really hard right now. And that's why I have Greg McEwen here to talk about his new book, Effortless. Greg is a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the popular podcast, What's Essential? His work has been covered by the New York Times, Fast Company, Fortune, Politico, and Inc. And he is among the most popular bloggers on LinkedIn. His New York Times bestselling book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, has sold more than a million copies worldwide. And Greg came on the show earlier this year, well, actually in 2020 now, and I went on his show and we just had a great conversation and we became friendly after that. And so we actually talked over the summer and he said, listen, I'd love to talk to you. Maybe there's something about you I can put in my new book. I'd love to interview you. So I was actually driving up in Maine and I pulled over to the side of the road in Kennebunk talked to him for a few minutes. I'm amazed I had cell service. It's Maine after all. And that was kind of it. I didn't think much more about it. You know, we had been in touch here and there uh, with questions or just to say, you know, how are you doing? And then the other day I got his book in the mail. And so I started to prepare for the interview and I opened the first page of the book and the first sentence of the first page read, let me tell you about Patrick McGinnis. I had no idea that this was going to be there, and it really threw me off, actually. I almost fell off my chair because, number one, I love Greg's work, and just being included in anything he's doing 
is a huge honor. Number two, the idea that my sort of pain that I went through in learning how not to be a grinder, uh, the, the idea it could help anybody makes me feel really good. But number three, it's kind of scary because having not read what he was putting into the book, I was kind of worried. Number one, oh, what if you got something wrong? Or what if I don't look very good? Or, you know, it's natural to feel these kinds of things. And thankfully, I read it and I really loved it and felt super honored by Greg. And so we will talk about that in the beginning of the interview. But we're also going to talk about this approach to living life with less effort and getting more done by doing less, which I think is pretty fantastic and important and something that I've had to learn in my own life. And we're also going to talk about a topic that is one of my favorites, actually, because I always talk about this with people and they look at me like I'm crazy, which is taking naps. Taking naps. Why is that important? Why is it something that both Greg and I do? We'll get into that in the episode. Now, as usual, I have a small ask for you. And my small ask this week is to go back into the archives of FOMO Sapiens and listen to my episode with Greg. It ran in 2020. You'll find it in the back catalog and share it with somebody who would benefit from it. And also uh, go over to Greg's podcast and check it out and subscribe. It's a really good show. I love it. Okay. That's it for the ask, and let's move on now to the interview. So, as I mentioned, Greg starts the book with a story about me. So I wanted to ask him the following question. In your new book, Effortless, you compare me to a horse, specifically the tragic character Boxer the Horse in George Orwell's Animal Farm, which I had not read, by the way, and I will read now. First of all, why? And second of all, should I take that personally? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that is that is true. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, yeah, it's a box of the horse. Uh, yeah, what a surreal meta moment that is for you to ask me that question. For you to ask me about how I write about you in my book on your podcast, it's like too many layers. <laughs> but but the answer to the question is that box of the horse is the most you know, amazing character in George Orwell's Animal Farm. His answer to every problem, every setback on the farm is, I will work harder. And he's a, an embodiment of the worker in this great metaphor that Orwell puts out. And the, what he doesn't realize is... Now this isn't this this isn't okay, all good. applied to you, but <laughs> what he doesn't realize is he he's not he's actually not the smartest animal on the farm. See the horse, and and he doesn't realize that he's actually make, exacerbating the very problems he's trying to solve. He doesn't see the bigger picture. He just believes, in a, a very sort of moral sense, if I work harder. It will make things better. I will. There will be food for everyone. It will. It will all work. Everything will work out. And he's willing to sacrifice himself to do it. So he's very noble. He's very. He's a. He's a I think he's a beautiful character. Maybe my favorite character in the in the whole novel. Um, but the reason that it applies to you is because you shared with me a, a really fascinating story about um, about how. You grew up with this New England mentality of if you work hard, you're going to get ahead. Well, that's, you know, first of all, that seems true and right and virtuous and correct. But 
you described yourself to me as sort of, you know, ever the overachiever, um, you, you know, took that even to the next level. And so, I mean, you did, you did all the right things, right? You, you, you did a great undergraduate, go to Harvard business school. You, you, you're doing all of the, all the right things, get a big job. Right. Um, and, and, and I remember something now that you said to me, which I love, which is that you didn't just get to the point where you thought that working hard would get you success. It's that working hard was an evidence of success to the point that if someone wasn't staying late, you know, pulling into the early hours of the, the morning, pulling the all-nighters, doing that overdrive type of powering through perpetually, you're like, they must not even have a very important job. They must not even be successful. If you weren't killing yourself, you, you weren't successful. And, and it's that territory that I think um, actually quite a lot of people find themselves in, uh, and especially in the pandemic, strangely. Uh, we could talk about that more, but I just was talking to somebody yesterday who said, I, I, thought, I always thought if I worked from home, I would like take a nap every day. And a year into this, they have oh, not once taken a nap. I mean, every third day is nap day. It's like nap Tuesday, nap third. I know you're a napper too, and we'll get into that. But you know, th it's incredible. I, well, it 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 is, and so it's it's a, it seems like a mostly cultural and psychological thing. If you are literally there, you don't need a nap pot at work. You have a bed, right? You have places to sleep. So it's not the physicality; it's the psychological, cultural thing around it. And and we can get back to that. But but you know, then you wake up. You're, you know, suddenly after all this, doing all this right stuff. Oh, there's another great moment that you told me about when you, uh, you know, you're, you're sick, but you just cannot not come into work. You're working with, you know, four different, you're on boards of four different organizations, three different continents, you're traveling all over, doing everything. You're sick. You, you got a board meeting and you will not come in. You're told, hey, listen, go home, but you won't do it. And you, you three times you have to get up out of the meeting <laughs> to go so throw terrible. up in the bathroom. And then still come back into the meeting and one of your coworkers, yeah, you look green. And yet still that paradigm of work harder, is, working harder is the answer. You know, I'm always keen to point out like, yeah, there is a time for that. But there's a point at which any, almost any virtue becomes a vice when taken too far. And I think that there are there is a lot that's in the world right now that helps and encourages us to take the, this too far. And so you wake up, uh, you know, suddenly AIG's gone bust, and and everything is like, what was it all for? What was missing all of the birthdays for? What was missing, you know, every every vacation for? What's the point? What was the point? And that moment is a very box of the horse moment. I mean, box of the horse is killed. He is he is sent to the knackers yard. He is he is a tragic. Is the knackers yard like we don't have that terminology in America? I'm just gonna ask you know, <laughs> tell me what because I feel invested in boxer story now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I and I can't oh, remember what they call oh, it here. Slaughter. No. What do they call it here? Slaughter. Yeah, I, that must be it. Where they what do they call the it animal here? and then so I, I prefer knackers yard. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, they wanted to. They wanted to change that. Actually, my editor wanted to change it because she said people wouldn't know, and I thought that I was like, "Oh, I think they'll know." But apparently, <laughs> she was right. She always is. 
Um, but yeah, that's the term for it there. So yeah, the, the box of the horses, I mean, he doesn't know. He keeps being promised that he's going to be put out just to pasture, just like, Hey, you're going to have a pleasant life. They keep, the pigs keep promising him this. Uh, but actually when it comes to it, they just, they just sell him, you know, for next to nothing because he's worn out, used up and he's, he's no good to anyone. Well, from their point of view. And so it is tragic, right? This person is believing one way of doing life. And it's not that they're entirely wrong, but they're not entirely right either. And so, uh, of course, what you did is you you said, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, I mean, you got very sick. You, you know, you're at the doctors, you're having, you're having like cold sweats, you're waking up, blurred vision literal blurred vision plus also metaphorically like just lost floundering but you like come out of it with a new perspective and i think it's a good orientation for people to have with as they sort of step into this subject and paradigm of effortless is if you can't work any harder it's time to find an easier everybody who's listening i'll tell you if you ever get greg to write about you and you get to read it, it i remember i read that yesterday and you captured it so well and i'm I just loved it when I, I did not know that this was coming to me. This is, as I talked about in the intro, this was sort of a surprise. But what I loved about this is that this isn't just about me. It's for, I mean, now that I understand Boxer, my friend Boxer the Horse, it's like there are so many of us who are who are grinders. And I know a lot of you are grinders too, or have been, or reform grinders. And so this is a book, your new book, Effortless, is a book for the grinders and I, I think it's a really good time to talk about this. Now, the thing is... the bem, meus queridos fomos sapiens. Now, that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yes. The idea of working less hard, especially in, in, I think, in our culture, you know, U.S. culture, which is one that really celebrates like being really hardcore, right? And like you think about WeWork and it's like, oh, there's work all the time. And, and if you've been successful by working harder, then the idea of changing things up is scary. And so this is a book. Your new book is for the grinders, and I just love to know, just to start, like, what gave you the idea of focusing on this particular challenge? The story behind the book, and people, it's in the, you know, it's like the final thing of the, of in the book itself, is a story about how my family and I moved to a pretty idyllic neighborhood, white picket fences, it's up in nature, uh, trees everywhere, you've got more horseways than than roadways, uh, horses everywhere. It's it's just like lovely, a little heaven on earth, really, for for to raise our four children. 
And the children just thrived, just so seemed so happy. And one of them, particularly Eve, was just always up trees and shoeless everywhere, uh, naming the chickens, catching lizards, putting them all back safely. I mean, she just she's writing a journal voluminously. She just always spontaneous in her humor. She's I can't stay cross, laughs at everything, slim brown eyed, blonde haired girl just it took her on a trip with me once i generally travel with my children and even when it's business trips and she just didn't stop talking i, I remember texting my wife like after an hour just because she has not stopped literally just scintillating but it's just endless and just this and that's how it was she'll till she turned 14 and 14 she just started to slow down a bit like it took her longer to do her chores she wouldn't chat with us as much um and it seemed a little more awkward physically. And we just thought, well, this is age-appropriate behavior, really. Um, but then at, on a routine physical therapy appointment, she um, she didn't pass a reflex test. And so the, the, the physical therapist pulled my wife aside and said, well, listen, you know, that should not happen. Uh, I don't mean to worry you, but you probably want to go see a, a neurologist about this. And of course, that just grabbed our attention. And and again, power of paradigms, now with a new paradigm, a new story, we suddenly reflected on her changes differently. And we thought, okay, this really could be serious. And it was. From that, now armed with this new perspective and these new appointments, we could see that her capabilities were deteriorating on a daily basis. And so she just was going suddenly in, in slow motion, took a full two minutes eventually uh, for her to be able to write her name, right? That is so slow. Um, her personality just, just started to be changed. Um, the whole right-hand side of her body wasn't working anymore. Um, she'd answer everything in one word sentences, no emotions, and not even the beginning of, um, of a diagnosis. Like just all these lifelong neurologists, just one of them just like shrugged his shoulders. He just, yeah, I have no idea. Every test came back within the normal range. And meanwhile, she's well on her way to be comatose. Um, and, uh, and that really um, challenged me, even with Essentialism, which is the previous book I'd written, uh, to say, well, it's all. It's, what, what if you strip away all the non-essentials and you still have too many responsibilities? I mean, my life continued; I still had those responsibilities, but now you've got this crisis on your hand. Yes, we stripped away all the non-essentials, but you still—it's not enough. You still got too much on your plate. So, what do you do then? You know, all of this coalesced together to just say, well, we have two options. It beca suddenly became clear we're in this agonizing situation. And the two paths, and then maybe it sounds obvious what you, you should do, but it's like we can either, we can do this the hard way, the heavy way, the challenging way. We can make this worse, or we can make this lighter and easier and more sustainable. And, and as I say, it seems like, well, if you're given those two choices, we'll, of course, take the easier path. But actually, a lot of the impulse within us at that moment was launch into more heavy, solve this through sheer willpower, you know, don't sleep, just 
read every journal you can come across, reach out to every possible expert, respond to every well-intended email and article sent to you about what conditions she could be going through. You could be swallowed whole with this thing, all with good intent, if you just pursued it in a box of the horse type approach. And it just, we just had enough of a glimpse of this to realize if we do that, we're just, it's going to kill us, man. It's just going to like wipe us out. If your responsibility is to keep the fires burning, if, if it's simply not an option as it wasn't for us, it's not an option to not, to not have energy. You can't put everything on the fire in the first moment, whatever your motives are. You've got to find a path that allows you to sustain over time to be able to deal with whatever the unexpected thing is around the corner. Your story, and, and I think, you know, a lot like mine, you, you decided to do things differently because you hit the wall. And you realize that like what we're doing right now isn't going to work going forward. And so you changed it. And as you did, as you learned on, uh, as you went along, you realized, and you've created this book is really, a, you know, a system for resilience, for avoiding burnout. And a lot of people in, who make big changes in their lives do it because something bad happens. There's a, a former guest on this show, Bruce Feiler, who uh, wrote this wonderful book, Life is in the Transitions. He talks about, you know, you can't have the fairy tale without the big bad wolf who comes, right? And it's true. Life is that way. For for the folks who are listening who say, you know what, I want to make, I don't, I don't want to wait until I live through a traumatic life event, an illness, a job loss, a, you know, all the things that, that, that can happen. Give us some some of the starting points on the things that are in the book that they can put into practice in order to live more effortlessly. Here's one thing that anyone can do who's listening to this to immediately start putting this into action. It's the simplest thing. It will sound so absurdly simple, but it's just to ask a new question. In the past, most people will have been not will not have been asking this question and they're not even aware that they are asking questions they're just living out the answers to questions the question that they can start asking is of anything they're doing is how can this be effortless <laughs> and that's okay. it just start with that question um i i so so many examples um a, a woman who i was coaching she works at a university uh, they've doubled the number of students in their, their area. So there's tons going on, tons more work. She's, she's this kind of person. She's up at 4 a.m. in the morning. She's Photoshopping for some important meeting the next day. I mean, she's totally all in hard worker, committed, motivated. It was just too much. And she starts asking this question. The next day, you know, after she knows this question, she gets a call from someone, uh, you know, a professor saying, listen, we need your videography team to record the whole semester of my class. And she has that impulse within her, same impulse as always. Okay, ready to jump in, make this happen. She's already got visualizations, which members of the team are going to be on it. They're going to video everything. They've got to edit it. They've got to add intros, outros, music, graphics, make the whole thing sing, overachieve, overdeliver. And she just instead pauses for just a second, ask it, look, how can we make you know, is there a way we could make this effortless? What's the easiest way to do this? So she asks a little more. It turns out this is just for one student who is 
going to have some conflicts with a sports commitment. And so the solution they find is that one of the student in that class will just record it on an iPhone and send it to them. The professor is delighted. The whole conversation takes 10 minutes and she just sort of sits back afterwards going, okay, wow, just what happened that I should go from four months commitment for a whole team to 10 minutes conversation. And that's because we just don't ask this question. We ask lots of other questions. How can I over deliver? How can I, you know, how can I achieve? How can I wow people? How can I amaze them? How can I get the job done? We don't just ask, well, how can I make it effortless? We just don't even explore it. So when we think of getting better results, we almost always think, well, we just got to work harder. And so I just think this is one very simple practice people can start and they can do this. They can ask it for the small things. They can ask it for the big things. They can ask it for things that currently seem utterly impossible. We still can learn even when things are like we can learn, use this question to weaken the impossible, the things that seem impossible. What if there's a, what if there's an easier way to do this? What if there's an alternative path to doing it? I do want to talk about naps because I want you and I to unite together to convince everybody listening that naps don't mean you're lazy. The naps don't mean that you're not busy enough, but the naps just mean that you're making time in your, especially when you're stuck at home working, by the way, making time in your day. Cause like, I don't know about you, my sleep during the pandemic has been spotty at best. So mm. I, I have reverted to the nap. I've been napping for a long time, but I, it's been a, a lifesaver for me. And I think it's something that we feel guilty about. But in fact, if you want to get into the state that Greg's talking about, where you're able to step back and have the perspective to say something is effortless, then you need to be in the right frame of mind. And that means rested and healthy, because if you don't have that baseline, it's going to be hard to achieve. So, Greg, I just would love to, you know, I would love your thoughts on that, because when I read that in the book, I was sort of like, ah. Oh, Somebody else likes to take naps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I I want to give people permission to do exactly. You know, if they need to feel that um, permission to be able to, to to take this on. Okay, so let's let's just scan back out for a second. So the effortless model has three concentric circles. In the center is effortless state, and that's always the thing to come back to. Effortless state. Um, number two is effortless action. And number three is effortless results. And they build on each other. So effortless state is to be in a, you know, rested physically, uh, emotionally, you know, peaceful in flow, uh, you know, mentally unburdened from immense distractions so that you can basically be at ease. You can focus at what's important with relative ease. And We've all experienced effortless state, uh, and we've all experienced the opposite. Um, so, you know, that experience that people have when, you know, like it's the end of the day, you can't find where you put the keys, you know, you, you, you get a, a, some text or email last minute from somebody, you know, it's a boss and it sounds critical and it just stresses you out and, you know, just everything, you're grumpy with your spouse, you, 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 you're not patient with it. Like everything just feels off. And basically, one of the things I've learned is that there's not that much that a warm meal, a warm shower, and a good night's sleep won't reset. 
won't improve. You, 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 you wake up the next morning, suddenly you find the keys right where you left them. You, you know, the email that you got is you're like, oh, I get what they mean now and you can respond gracefully. You know, you apologize to your spouse. Like everything just is you're back in a, a more recharged effortless state. And so that's what you want to keep coming back to. We spend a lot of our time in a complaining state, in an exhausted state, in an angry state, a frustrated state, a fearful state. And just even knowing, okay, my goal is to get back to effortless state. Uh, recently, I was—I just recorded actually the audio book for uh, for Effortless, and we spent two days doing it. And so I came out again, sort of full of the effortless ideas and practices, and like challenging myself. Well, how are you doing with it? Are you are you living this? And and I thought, well, an effortless state. What what can, what can I do? Because I literally asked this question: like, What can I? I don't feel like I'm in it. But what is the what's the easiest way to get back into the effortless state? And that will be different on different days, of course, but it was clear, like, you need to take a nap. That is what you need to do. And so I did. I came home and I took a nap. And and what happened when I woke up from that is, first of all, I did feel better. But secondly, I realized, oh, you're much more sleep deprived than you realize right now. You 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 haven't noticed that you aren't getting enough. And so for the next two or three days, I just tried to make a point of, you know, having a nap each day, you know, one night tried to get you know, to catch up a little bit. Uh, and, and by the, even just two or three days of that, I was like so much more without forcing it, without stressing it, just so much more relaxed in the place. You make better decisions and so on. So, so that's all context, specifically the nap itself. I mean, you know, people just think it's like childish, like, oh yeah, you, you know, that's what you did as a kid. Oh, go put the kid down for a nap. It's like, so many high achievers have used this and do use this. There's some evidence to suggest that you'll have as much benefit from a learning quotient, like you'll gain as much recharge to your, your, your mental capacities from a nap as eight hours of sleep on these very certain specific criteria. They're enormously valuable in, in just being able to get the energy for what I call like the third act of the day. The third act of the day is generally the most miserable for people. Uh, that's you know, especially if there's got a family and they're handling a family and children. They got food. They got the children. They got the cleanup. They've got get people to bed, and they don't. Kids don't want to be in bed, but they're grumpy now, and they, so they're grumpy and don't want to be asleep. And so there's all these misincentive problems, and that just is like that can be pretty much the most miserable period. And uh, if you take a nap before you do all of that, you just it doesn't make it. I won't say it makes it easy, but I will say it makes it all easier. Uh, all so that's uh, that's my sort of case for for napping. I like it. Thank you for joining me on this. And I'll tell you, it's like I remember I was in a meditation class, and I I said to the teacher, "Listen, every time I meditate, I fall asleep." And he said, "My friend, that's a sign you need more sleep." And so <laughs> your body will tell you. So listen, Greg, uh, you've given us a lot to think about today, from the naps to the effortlessness. The name of the book is Effortless. Your podcast, which everybody should subscribe to, is What's Essential. And by the way, it will not put you to sleep. It'll be invigorating. <laughs> and your websites are gregmcune.com and essentialism.com. Thanks so much for being here. It's really great to be with you. Thank you, Patrick. 
FOMO. Big news. We now have a brand new website. So head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. Also, head over to Spotify where you can find and follow playlists of the best of the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you, so don't be shy. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstrom. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO.